0: Hi, good evening. If you'll take your Bibles out, please. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews tonight for just a few moments, Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to look in Hebrews chapter 6 and starting in verse 10. This morning we talked about giving God the proper credit and the, the, the credit that God deserves. Have you ever been on the other end of that where you have not gotten credit for something that you've done? Uh, it's interesting when I when I come home. Sometimes Heather will want to to get that credit. Did, you know, have, can you tell what I've done? Do you notice what I've done? We we like to be acknowledged. It's a it's a human nature thing. We like for someone to see what we've done and acknowledge that that uh, we have tried to do something special. And it can get frustrating when someone doesn't give you credit for something you've done. Uh, when Heather and I were first married, I, I sent in a payment to a credit card, and they accidentally put my payment on someone else's card and their payment on my card, and their payment was much bigger. And it was a good thing, but I called and said, I did not send you that check. <laughs> I didn't have that much money. And they said, oh, okay, okay, we'll, we'll fix that for you. And so they took that credit off my account and never put my credit back on. But I had the canceled check. They'd taken the money. And I called and I said, you haven't given me the proper credit on my account. I sent you a check. I have the canceled check right here in front of me. And they said, well, will you send that to us? So I sent them the canceled check and they cashed it a second time. So now I'm out double that money. And they said, well, we credited your account. And, and it was it was a two-year nightmare. They would call and say, your account is overdue. No, it's not. You took my money. You just didn't credit it. I sent them bank statements. I sent them everything. And I, I'm telling you, that, that frustration of doing something and not getting credit. And some of you have done things for people or for other people. You've done things and... And they either don't appreciate it or they don't acknowledge it. And sometimes it can be frustrating when people don't give you the credit for what you've done. We talked about God saying, you need to give me credit. For the discipline I've shown you, for the blessings I've given you, for the power to make wealth. But one of my favorite things about God and and his nature and who he is, is God doesn't say, you go do that. God says, do for me what I've done for you. And I love in this verse in Hebrews that we see the flip side of the coin that God says, I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit. And if you look, it's for some of the exact same things that God asks us to acknowledge about Him. Look in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. The Bible says, for God is not unjust. Some translations say is not unrighteous. God is not unjust or unrighteous so as to overlook your work and the love that you've shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I want to look especially at verse 10 tonight that says God is not unjust or unrighteous. He will acknowledge what we've done. And he says, look, you acknowledge what I've done, I'll acknowledge what you've done. We'll have this exchange. And I want to look at those three things tonight. He will not overlook your work. He will not overlook your love. And he will not overlook your faithfulness. I like some translations just use the word forget. He won't forget your work. He won't forget your love. He won't forget your faithfulness. Now you know in the Bible where it says if we are faithless he remains faithful. These promises God makes to remember these things that we've done in his name. He says I won't forget these things. And the idea is even if you forget me. Even if you don't acknowledge that I've done these things for you, I won't forget that you've done these things for me. Let's look at those things individually. He will not overlook our work. It says, God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. That's a dirty word in modern Christianity. And then the word of work. Someone hears the word work and they say, ah, ah, we're we're not saved by works. And I say, amen. (laughs) I agree with you. There's nothing dirty about the word work. Let me tell you about a disturbing trend in, in Christianity and, and those who believe in God is more audience and less worker. More attender and less soldier. Less vineyard and more watching someone else work in the vineyard. This, the Bible describes us as, as fellow workers, as priests, as laborers, as soldiers. The Bible never talks about Christians as audience members. I tell preachers sometimes, be careful when you talk about the audience. As I spoke to the audience, you're not the audience. You're the priesthood. You're the priesthood. And, and, you know, I think sometimes, you know, as I stand up here, I thought, I can stand down here and you can stand up there. There's nothing about being up on these steps that makes me any different of a servant than you, any different of a priest than you. We are a priesthood of believers, a sol- soldiers in the Lord's army, laborers in the vineyard, workers for Christ. That's not what we're seeing in the world. We're seeing a trend toward, how can I help you? How can I, serve what, what can I, what can I do for you? We see a marketing approach to Christianity. How can I please you? How can I satisfy you? Work in the New Testament is not a dirty word. And this idea of trusting fully in God, you hear this phrase a lot, trust fully in the Lord and trust fully in his sacrifice. Sometimes that's used as almost a code word for, you don't have to do anything just trust fully in his sacrifice you know what saves our souls his sacrifice you know what god expects of you work and we don't have to be apologetic about that that god expects us to labor for him trusting fully does not mean we ought to have a passive faith so let's look in scripture for a moment on this first thing see if what i've said is true I want to start off in Ephesians chapter 2 to make sure we're all on the same page. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. What do we know work doesn't do for us? We know we're not saved by it. And so that nobody makes that accusation or that that contention, we want to acknowledge that Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's a very clear statement in Ephesians. You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith. But all you have to do is read one more verse. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What does your Bible say? For good works. Which God prepared beforehand for what purpose? that we should walk in them, that we should live the, these works. So you take these two verses together and you get a very beautiful picture. You're not saved by your works, so don't brag about your works, but God has created works for you to do. He has created good works for you to do. He's created things for you to do. And can't you see this all the way back to the book of Genesis when God took Adam and he placed him in the garden and put him on a chaise lounge and said, I'm going to sit here and fan you and feed you grapes all day. You just sit there and let me be God to you. Right? And He came to the Israelites and said, hey, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to drop you in the middle of the promised land and and you just don't worry about a thing. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that kind of treatment of God toward His people. God put Adam in the garden to work it. God told the Israelites, go in and take the land and possess it, the land that I'm giving to you. Can you imagine if someone had said, no, I I think I'll just... Lord, I believe in you but I'm going to stay here and let you do the work for me. That's that's, that's not a concept in Scripture, no matter how many people might preach it today. We're not saved by works, but we are created for good works. Are those two things mutually exclusive? Is it okay for God to say, I have work for you to do, but don't think for a moment that that's why I'm going to save you. I want you to work, but you're not going to earn your salvation. Do you see the freeing power in that? Now all of a sudden, I don't have to work off my sin debt. Now I don't work to be saved. Now I can work because I'm saved. And there's freedom in that. The the ability to serve and work out of joy that God has done something for you. In John chapter 17 and verse 4, I'm going to go through quickly some other scriptures in in the New Testament books. In John 17 and verse 4, Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, praying to his father. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. When Jesus worked, who got the glory? God did. Not for his own glory. He says, I glorified you. What does he say when he's teaching in Matthew? And he says, when you do your acts of righteousness, don't do them to be seen by men. But to glorify your Father who's in heaven. Jesus says, I want you to work like I work. When you work, don't take the glory. You know, we, we talk about worship. Worship is kissing the hand toward now, when that, that worship becomes a pat on the back, this says, no, you, you work like I work. You work for the glory of God. Jesus glorified the Father through his works. When we go over and we see the New Testament church in, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, we meet a woman named Tabitha. Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha. She's a disciple. She's a follower of Christ. And it says she was full of what? It doesn't say she was full of faith. It doesn't say she was full of belief. It says she was full of good works and acts of charity. Now, if you were she, she died, if you were to, to, to meet her on her deathbed and say, Tabitha, Tabitha, do you think you're saved because of all the clothing you made? Do you think you're saved because of all your good works and acts of charity? What would she say? Well, hopefully, if she were a true disciple, she would say, absolutely not. So why all the good works? Why all the acts of charity? She was full of good works and acts of charity. And when she became ill and died, they washed her and laid her in an upper room. And in verse 39, Peter rose and went with him. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Why? What are they showing? You see how much she loved us? Do you see what a good woman she was? It it wasn't the works. It was what the works showed about her, about Tabitha. What about Acts chapter 13 and verse 2? A few chapters forward, Acts chapter 13. They were in the church in in Antioch. In verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for what purpose? What does your Bible say? For the work to which I've called them. I've got a job for them. I've got something to do. I've got work for them to do. In Romans chapter 2. You know we think of Romans as being a book about about faith. And being justified by faith. And not by works. And it reinforces what Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. But notice in Romans 2. And verse 5, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to roll of the dice, randomness, luck of the draw. What does your Bible say? On that day of judgment, he will render to each one according to what is the standard? What is the judgment? What is the indication of whose side you're on? Each one according to his works. Are you saved by those works? Absolutely not. He'll render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he'll give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Will it matter on that day what we've done with our life? A lot of people say no. It's just God's grace. God's grace will take care of everything. So it doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter what I do because God. Yet the Bible says, he'll render to each one according to his works. Some will receive glory and honor and eternal life. Some will receive wrath and fury. It's not because God is going to change. It's a difference in us and what we've done with our lives. In Romans chapter 15, if you go a little farther in that book to Romans chapter 15, In verse 16, Paul talks about being a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Look what he says in verse 17. Have you ever heard, Notice that Paul said this? In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Paul was not ashamed of the work he'd done. The Holy Spirit had said, I have work for you to do. Set aside Paul and Barnabas. I've got work for Saul and Barnabas to do. And Paul says at this point, I'm proud of the work I did for God. He knew how hard he'd served. In Romans chapter 16, in the the very next chapter, look at these verses. Greet, in verse 3, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Look in verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. In verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker greet you. Do those sound like audience members? Do those sound like people who are just watching while other people? Paul says, greet this worker and that worker and my fellow worker and your co-worker and this woman who worked hard for you. They all greet you. We're all working. Timothy is also doing the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 10, Paul says, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you for he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. Then one more verse in Titus chapter 2 and verse 7. Paul writes to Titus and says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in, teach, in your teaching show integrity, digni- dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Show yourself a model of what? Be an example of what? Let other people see in you what? good works. Titus, let people look at you and see good works. Well, Lord, why can't I just let them see my faith? Why can't I just let them see my belief? Why can't I just let them see that I'm here? No, let them see your good works. For your glory, Titus, and Timothy, and Urbanus, or for the glory of God. Let them see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In John chapter 5, back in the Gospels, Jesus makes this statement. In John chapter 5 and verse 28, Jesus says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Do you really believe that God loves those who've done evil less than those who've done good? Do you think he cares less about them? Do you think he doesn't like them as much? That that he's not as forgiving or compassionate or gracious toward them? Yet the Bible makes a distinction. That there are those who have done good and there are those who have done evil. That there is something in our deeds that matters to God. And when he comes, he will make a distinction. In Revelation chapter 20, we see a a similar statement. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. John writes then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them and I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and books were opened then another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done and the Bible says God will not forget your work God will will not forget your work. So you don't have to remind other people of what you're doing. You know, someone asked me years ago, they said, you know, how how can we get the church to know more about what the elders are doing? How How can we communicate more to the church about the work the elders are doing? And I said, well, you could have the elders get up every Sunday and tell the church everything that they've done, but then you wouldn't want them as elders. See, God has made it so that we don't have to tell people what we've done. We don't have to brag about what we've done. We don't have to boast about what we've done. In fact, that's where the Bible says you're not saved by your works so that no one would boast. We're not supposed to get up here and say, this is what we've done. This is how we've worked. But somehow we have made that jump that, therefore, I don't have to work. When the Bible says God has created you for good works. He's created you to be an example of good works. He's created you to do things for him so that he might get the glory. And he says, I won't forget. You don't have to remind the elders. You don't have to remind the church. You don't have to put it in the bulletin, because I see it, and I will reward you in secret. God won't forget your work, but that's not all the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6. It says he will. he's not unrighteous, he's not unjust, so as to overlook your work. He also won't forget or overlook the love that you've shown for his name. For the love you have shown him or shown toward him, some translations say, in serving the saints. How do you show love toward the name of God? Well, according to the book of Hebrews, by serving. You show love for God's name by serving the saints. Think about Matthew chapter 25. If you go to Matthew chapter 25, you see this description of the final judgment. And the Bible says in Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with Him, He'll sit on His glorious throne. And all the nations, all the people are gathered before Him. And it says He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. What's His criteria? Well, I like y'all. I don't like you. Well, I'm feeling pretty good toward you. I don't don't feel good toward y'all. No, the Bible says that as He separates the sheep from His goats from the sheep from the goats that to some he says come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world and to others he'll say truly I say to you as you did not as you did not do it for one of to one of the least of these you did not do it to me what was the distinction it was service wasn't it it was service. Those of you over here, you have served the saints. You have served others. Those of you over here, you haven't served anybody. You saw me, poor and blind and sick and naked, and you saw me. You should not do anything. And the Bible tells us there will be a separation. He says to those who had served, he said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. God will not forget the love you have shown for his name in serving the saints. Do you know some translations say his people? He will not overlook, he will not forget the love you have shown for his name in serving his people. Why especially his people? Why especially the saints? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, starting in verse 9 of Galatians 6, Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And then the Bible says, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And I think about this sometimes. Sometimes we turn this upside down. I have a lot of friends who do a lot of good for people and forget about their own family. They, they go out and sometimes they have to be reminded. I always hear those preacher stories where the, the wife goes to the elders and said, says, will you tell my husband to, you know, that he's our minister too? Will you, you know, the, the commercial where the little kid comes up and he tries to buy some of his daddy's time with the coins in his hand. Those things, because we know this. We struggle with this. Sometimes we take care of everybody else except our household. Sometimes we are the ugliest to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll be be kind and friendly to the people we meet during the week, but we're ugly to those who are brothers and sisters. And the Bible says it's just the opposite. Do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. Now, why would that be? I think one of the reasons we find in John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you're to love one another. And then in verse 35, By this all people will know that you're my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. They'll know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. First John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Don't just talk about loving people. Don't just tell someone that you love them. Don't say to your brother, be warm and be filled when you have the world's goods and you can actually do something about it. When God says, I won't forget the love you've shown for my name in serving the saints, who is he talking about? He's talking about his children. I won't forget what you have done for my children, especially the least of my children. For for those of you who have had kids or have had kids, do you remember or have you thought about how it makes you feel when someone does something really kind for your kids? When someone is there for them or someone steps in and takes care of them or feeds them or, or, or steps in when you can't be there or something and you think, that person loves my child and I have yet to see a parent who doesn't love you for loving their child. Would you not? And I see so many people in here who have done stuff for our children you've taught them, you've taken care of them, you've cooked for them, you've babysat them, you've watched them. That really makes me angry. Right? No, we react favorably to that. And so it's not hard to understand God saying, love one another, especially my children. Love my children, especially the least of my children. Love my hungry children. Love my hurting children. Love my sick children. Love my lost children. Love my erring children. Be patient with them. And and we forget sometimes that when God is talking about people, He's talking about His family, His creation. The Bible says God will not forget. He will not overlook the love you've shown for His name in serving the saints. Jesus said in Matthew 20 and verse 25, Jesus called them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercised authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know what would do the Lord's body good? If we spent less time worrying about whose name got on the billboard or the sign and more time worrying about how we could serve each other. Less worrying about who gets recognized, more worrying about opportunities to serve. Less worry about being noticed, more worry about making sure that we're noticing others. Would that not be good for the body of Christ? Would it not be good for the world? I like that God says, I won't forget. I won't forget the love that you show by serving others. I won't forget the work that you do. And finally he says your faithfulness and it's maybe a little bit buried in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10 but it says God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you've shown for his name in serving the saints and then it says as you still do. Some translations say and continue to help or and do minister or are still ministering. I won't forget that you keep going. I won't forget your endurance. I, I won't fail to notice that you're not giving up. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 21 Jesus gathers his disciples together and he tells them this is going to get really bad. Things are about to get really awful. Men are going to deliver you up. People are going to turn against you. You're going to be hated. Look in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 21. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And which is harder, becoming a Christian or staying faithful? It's the faithfulness. It's the staying faithful. It's the continuing to walk in the light as he's in the light. And so now in the, and we've seen this, this belief grow up that we've almost done away with that. No, once saved, always saved. Once you're saved, then don't worry about losing your soul. Yet the Bible says God won't forget your faithfulness, your endurance, your continuing on. You're, you're making it through when Satan continues to try to knock you down and you don't give up. Some of you have been down and up and down and up over and over again. And you're still here. You're still walking, aren't you? You have refused to give up. And this is what God says through his word. I won't forget it. I won't fail to notice it. I see what you've gone through. I know what you're doing. I know what life. I won't fail to notice that you're still here. God will not overlook or forget your faithfulness. Now, do you see the parallels there? God says, I I won't fail to notice your work. You don't fail to notice my work. I see what you're doing for me. You need to see what I'm doing for you. He says he'll notice our love. I'll notice when you love each other. I want you to notice when I love you. You see me loving you? I see you loving me and each other. I won't forget your faithfulness. And you don't forget mine. You see me being faithful to you? I want you to be faithful back to me. It's this reciprocal relationship between us and God. That God doesn't ask us anything that he's not willing to offer first himself. And even if we're faithless, even if we're unloving and unfaithful and we don't work, God will continue to bless us. God will continue to love us. God will continue to be faithful to us as we try to be more like him. Please guard your hearts and your minds against this new brand of Christianity that tries to turn you into an audience for God. Your workers, your priests, your soldiers, your children, you're part of the family. Don't ever let someone take you from that area, that place of responsibility and honor and glory of serving your God And try to put you in a balcony and say, just sit there and watch. It was never God's intent. God's intent was for you to be in the game, for you to be on the field, for you to be in the vineyard. And God says, I'm watching. And I won't forget. I notice. And I'll always be there. And I'll reward you. It won't pass me by. You don't have to brag. You don't have to boast. You don't have to depend on that to be saved. But I notice and I see you i telling you tonight, there is nothing conflicting between saying we're not saved by works and God expects us to work in the kingdom. So are you working? Are you outside of the body of Christ? Are you not a Christian tonight and you're standing on the outside and you're looking in? Well, if you, if you come into the body of Christ, there's work to be done. There are people to be taught. There's, there, there's kindnesses to be done. There, there's things to be, to be. It's big. It's big. And I think about Nehemiah when they built the wall and they said the wall was built half its height because the people had a mind to work. And we have a lot to do in a big old world that needs to hear the gospel. Jesus says pray pray for workers. (laughs) Pray for laborers. Because the fields are wide unto harvest. The harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. If you're a member of the church I hope that you'll spend some time this week thinking about your place in the kingdom about the talents and the abilities God has given you and what he expects from you in that kingdom that he wants you to be part of it he wants you to be a participant he wants you to be a laborer we offer the invitation tonight if you're not a Christian if you believe in Christ but you've not put him on in baptism if you need to become a child of God so that God can forgive you and add you to the church we invite you to come tonight while we stand and sing